You know what really makes us mad is wasting money on CDs with only one or two good songs. Yeah. Tell them about punk. What's up, posers? Welcome to Punk Lotto Pod. I'm your co-host, Justin Hensley. And just a little note to start this episode off. Today's episode features only me, as well as our good friend Dave Brown, host of the podcast One Band Five Songs, as well as the writer of the blog Oklahoma Lefty. And this is this year's entry into the guest list. In years past, we've had multiple people come on and tell us their favorite albums of the year. And I had wholly intended on recording with multiple different people this year to talk about their favorite albums of 2023. Unfortunately, this holiday season was a particularly busy one, not just with me and Dylan, but as well as with our friends and our people that I would have asked to come on. So unfortunately, we were really only able to get Dave on the line to talk with us. That being said, this conversation is great. It's a full-length episode of the podcast, so... It's a great episode. I enjoyed the conversation I had with Dave, and his views and takes on music are really fun, and I really like talking about music with him, so there's a reason why he's a regular recurring guest. So, Dylan and I will be back next week with our first real episode of 2024, our first episode not a best of, but in case you are curious and you want to know about more records of 2023 that I liked, head over to patreon.com slash punklottopod. gets you access to all of our weekly bonus audio, and that includes this year's top formats of 2023. So I have released a couple different pieces of audio, one being top demos, top singles, top splits, and top compilations of 2023. I'm working on the top EPs of 2023 as we speak, so that should be along sometime either this week or next. And yeah, I'm having a really fun time just talking about all my favorite stuff for the year. I also made a promise to myself that I would not start my new release updates of 2024 until I finished all of my top release audio. So be on the lookout for that. 2024 is starting off slow, but it's going to pick up steam pretty quickly. So it's a good motivator for me personally to get that last little bit of audio out. Thank you all so much for listening to us in 2023. We hope that 2024 turns out to be another great year for our listeners and for the podcast we will hit our sixth anniversary this year i wonder if we'll make it to 300 this year it's going to be close we have a chance we might get there so 300th episode that'll be fun and if you're interested head over to the Redbubble link in our bio to go to the punk lotto pod web store we have a couple different designs on there click on the design it'll show you the different formats that you can put the design on we do have a couple that are mug exclusive we came up with the idea of doing what's up posers coffee mugs and then i thought we could also make wake up posers coffee mugs as well so those are there you can get a notebook with a i think our logo on it or you can get a dog food mat (laughs) how about a tote bag or a throw pillow for your couch (laughs) i just thought about doing some weird stuff No t-shirts, but you can get stickers and a couple other random things. I can't remember everything that I put up there, but there's a few options there. And I believe that will wrap it up for me now. Like I said, we'll be back next week with our first regular format episode of 2024. In the meantime, enjoy this conversation with Dave. 
love talking with Dave about music. Anytime we get together, we always wind up talking like way longer than the actual recordings go. I believe Dave and I talked for about 26 minutes before we actually started getting into the recording of the show. So <laughs> good time. And thank you all so much. And we'll be back next week with a regular episode. So we are joined here today with I'm about to call you good friend. That's actually trademarked. That goes to uh, good friend Corey. So <laughs> let's start this way. <laughs> oh, that's great. So we are here today with friend of the show, Dave Brown, host of the wonderful podcast, One Band, Five Songs, as well as the writer of the excellent long running blog, Oklahoma Lefty. Dave, welcome back to the show. It has been a minute. Yes. How's it going? Thanks for having me. I always love doing the year end stuff. So, yeah, yeah. We love having you on. I'm trying to remember what was the last thing you were on for? It was this year. It was. I know I sent in a recording for one of the Patreon ones I did. Yeah. Hmm. And I, I don't know, man. It, it's all blur anymore. <laughs> yeah. Getting old sucks. It's, I'm, yeah, who knows? It, we could probably look and find out, but yeah. Just, just search for Dave's name plus Punk Lotto Pod. You'll find all the episodes probably in Google. I don't know how, how to find podcasts on the internet anymore since like half of the, the the services are going down and that sucks man i ended up so i used to use uh this is totally you know absolutely what i'm here to talk about but i used to use stitcher (laughs) and then stitcher went away so i started using uh google podcasts and i really liked it Mm -hmm. i liked the uh the interface and everything and then they were like oh yeah we're going away i'm like motherfucker so (laughs) I end up like trying a few. I'm like, no, this blows. And I ended up getting, uh, trying pocket cast. I'm like, okay, this is good. But then it's like two or three bucks a month. Oh, weird. And I'm like, okay, it's, I like the interface. I don't want to fuck with anything. Um, I don't like using Spotify for podcasts unless I absolutely have to, uh, which is ironic considering my podcast is only available on Spotify. (laughs) It's just, if there was more of a break between the podcast side of things and the music side of things where like you had separate cues on each. So if you're like in the middle of listening to a record and you decide, Oh, I want to go and listen to so-and-so's podcast. You hit pause, jump over to the podcast section and play their episode. And then you could go back to what you were listening to in the same spot. Then I would probably use the bejesus out of it. That's yeah, that not actually, option. That actually makes a ton of sense. I never really quantified why I don't use Spotify as much for podcasting, but you just nailed it because it's exactly that. I'll be like, pause my music, listen to my podcast. Like, I don't necessarily, yeah, want to lose my place and my memory is so bad. I'm like, what song do I listen to? You know, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. I mean, you know, first world problems here. Yeah. Yeah, I think I read something that uh, Google was the reason why they discontinued the podcasting specific app is because they want to make that a bigger deal in youtube their obsession with putting pushing everything to youtube i mean they did that with google music which okay i kind of guess that no i still i don't understand how the youtube interface would work as a replacement for google music um but youtube music has its own separate interface i don't know i don't want to fuck with it um but yeah, years ago they had an RSS feed service and they got rid of that. And that was the point I was like, well, 
not following a whole bunch of these sites anymore. I could, <laughs> yeah. I could never find one that had a good interface. Uh, and, and like nobody wants to pivot to YouTube for podcasting, especially ones in our lane of podcasting because you can't post music on there or it'll get yanked or copyright, you know, claimed against it. And it's like, I mean, I'm kind of screwed if Apple ever decides to actually kind of like enforce that. But luckily, it doesn't seem to be like a thing they're really concerned with at this stage. Yeah, and it would I think shows that play clips are in a much better position than shows that play full songs, um, because how much effort would it take to skim through every episode of the bajillion podcasts <laughs> to see if a clip of music is played. And then how would they, you know, substantiate whether or not you have permission to use it? Yeah, it would just be, it would not be worth the effort. Uh, I think with on the video side of YouTube, they obviously figured out an algorithm way, or if someone says, Hey, that's my song. Don't put it in your video. Then there's, you know, that's someone telling them, hey, this is a copyright infringement. But honestly, the best thing I think to do is anytime that happens, just take any ad revenue that was going to the person who created it and send it to the artist. I yeah. mean, yeah, that, that screws over the creator, but it's better than, you know, shutting their shit down. Yeah, I think that happens. I think that happens dependent on certain cases because I definitely have followed people. That, but people who did like analysis and critiques, like, you know, like video essay type stuff, like they get copyright claims because they're showing clips from movies. But it's like clips from movies that are being talked over or, you know, specifically referenced and taken out of, you know, the context of the film. So, like, it's a it's weird. YouTube is one of the stricter, stricter uh, copyright enforcement, which I guess is good if you're the creator. But then yeah. it's like once you get into analysis and critique then it becomes a little bit more of like well you have to have examples for people to understand what it is you're even talking about so yeah yeah there there needs to be some kind of balance between letting people do the analysis and critique stuff with clips of things and not going after that but going after the people who are just straight uploading entire songs or albums and that have the money thing on as I don't know. I think if someone has made a video with a song because they couldn't find it somewhere and then it's eventually available on YouTube, but they don't have the monetization turned on just turn any monetization to, to the artist, leave the person who made the little video alone. But yeah, there are people with law degrees that make these decisions. So <laughs> though, interestingly, I'm pretty sure I uploaded the paint it black song little hands to YouTube like a decade ago. Cause I think it's the last a decade ago is when that came out and it's still there. Like it's still online. Like if you look for that song, it's my most watched video. Cause I guess I'm the only person who uploaded that song <laughs> and people who were looking for it specifically. I've, I, I mainly uploaded it for myself to use it on something, but I can't remember what it was at the time. I did that a couple times. I did that with a roustabout song years ago. And I did that with, okay, I can't remember the name of the artist. I can see the album cover in my head. But I did that with some other artist, mostly so I could have something to embed with my review that I was writing. I think that's what I did. Like, I was trying to embed it in something that I was writing on a blog or Tumblr or something like that. That's probably what it was. 
I mean, I think it goes to show you that like how cool painted black are that they weren't like copyright claim strike that. I mean, I don't, I'm not monetizing it either, but it's, it's just funny that it's been there for that long. And I, and I, when I upload things now, if it has music in it, especially if I'm using like a, uh, like a, like a sound library, like YouTube's Google, YouTube has their own music library that you can use. It'll mm-hmm. be like, you're using YouTube music. Like it, it analyzes it and recognizes that you're using something that is like owned. And it'll sometimes it'll be like, you can't monetize this. It's like, I wasn't going to, but okay. You know, strange. Yeah. I don't, I, there's a reason why I'm not a YouTuber. Uh, yeah. Well, many reasons, actually, but that is going to be one of them as that's just too much <laughs> crap to deal with. I do plan on eventually uploading this show to YouTube, but it's going to be with the songs out because I don't want the strikes, you know, oh, just God. because it's just to have the avenue there, you know? Yeah, man, that's going to be that's a lot of work. If, if you do it, if I may make a suggestion, just decide, OK, starting with this episode. I'm going to edit it twice and put them on YouTube. Everything else, the back catalog, you have to go over here to get. Yeah, yeah. I definitely was not going to be like, all right, here's 260 episodes. I have painstakingly cut all the music out of. <laughs> no, that's that's just too much work. It is. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny. It's w- the way I edit my show and put sound clips in. I make it glaringly obvious where the music clip is going to go. So when I'm looking at the the sound file in Audacity, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's where I stop talking for 30 seconds. So I know that's where I put my clip in. Because I'm anything beyond that, no, fuck that. Uh, ain't, nobody <laughs> got, ain't nobody got time for that. That's just <laughs> too much effort. Like I feel really bad for whoever is putting music clips into Bandsplane. Mm. Oh yeah. Bless her hearts. That is. I, uh, I've tried to do music the way that that show does on some episodes where I put like the little like just a little clip of the song. And I even told you this. I was like, uh, that episode, I didn't put all the clips in at the front of the episode because it's just a huge pain in the ass to clip those tiny little like little snippets of songs. It's so much easier just to be like, here's the first minute and a half of a song, you know, than be like. Where's the chorus? Okay, this is the one line someone will recognize if I put it in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, and and it's at least my philosophy toward doing it is I want to give someone an idea of the song and a feel for the thing. So I like to use a full verse and a full chorus. Either yeah. I'll either do the be- generally either the beginning of the song or the end of the song. Uh, sometimes I'll take a chunk from the middle, depending on the song. But so now that we've run off all of our uh, listeners for talking about podcasting, uh, editing techniques, and uh, hosting platforms, <laughs> feel, I mean, feel free to to just start here, cut out this. <laughs> you can throw this part up on uh, up on the Patreon. I'll see how it sounds in editing. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe somebody will be like, "Hey, this is kind of interesting." Maybe not. They'll be like, "Get to the point." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could uh, yeah, throw that up as a bonuses like edited out stuff, bloopers and uh, <laughs> or shop talk kind of thing. Well, let's get into the year that was 2023. It it was a year. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's that is a good way of putting it. It was a year. I don't know if I've talked to a single person this year who was like 2023. Man, that was my year. 
so much great stuff happened this year. I I don't I don't know anyone who's had that yeah. experience. I mean, has have you known anyone who's had that experience for like the last few years? Fair. I'd say man, I say we're maybe it's just like the part the part of us just living in in stage capitalism that is why it's so terrible all the time but i definitely feel like we're nearing like a decade of me being like well that year sucked hopefully next year's better you know (laughs) yeah it's uh it's yeah it's just all bad (laughs) well actually no it's not all bad because there was some great music that came out in 2023 yeah that is that is true because going through all the albums that came out this year that I listened to and looked at and narrowing down my lists and everything for that, I was like, you know, for majority of the year, I thought it was not a good year for music. But when I got to the end of the year and I was like look, reflecting on everything that came out and I liked, I was like, oh, it was a pretty good year. It just for me personally, you just had to go into those like lanes that are your lane, you know, like the kind of stuff that you dig, like. Maybe you didn't care about the overarching stuff, but or the most popular, most talked about stuff. But if you're into like a specific subgenre of stuff, there's so much to find and listen to and enjoy. Yeah, it's if you have a certain niche that you you like, that is your jam, you're more more than likely able to find every year something great that came out in that sphere that's one of the benefits to having everything so niche driven and segregated. Uh, the The downside is there's like nothing collectively shared anymore, really, uh, which I mean, you could argue good or bad about that, but that's a whole other story. But one thing I noticed with music this year is that even with the albums that I love, like, especially the five we're going to talk about, there was not a lot of urgency in me digging into any of them. And that's even like, even the ones, the one that's number one that I basically knew I was like, okay, as soon as that was announced and I, I heard the first few singles, I was like, okay, unless the rest of this album blows, it's probably going to be my record of the year. But even in that case, it took multiple listens before Everything really clicked. And I think that's a whole lot more to do with me than the actual music itself. Because I I know people that heard records that were like immediately like, oh, my God, this is incredible. You know, this hit me instantly and I've listened to it nonstop. And that really didn't happen with me this year. I, I chalk a lot of that up to getting older. I chalk a lot of that up to the fact that doing a music podcast, you end up spending a good chunk of your music listening dedicated to your podcast and preparing for it. And then I also track a lot of that up to the fact that uh, I'm slowly losing my mind. And when your mental health sucks, it's sometimes hard to get into things that aren't familiar. Um, So I, and I think that's some of it. I think as I built familiarity with these releases, that's when things really started to, to click and the music that stays with me is stuff that it's almost always some stuff that I, I have a connection with and actually feel something like really feel something when I listen to it. And there's an emotional connection and whatnot. And um, that's the difference between something that I listen to that comes out in a year. And I'm like, 
oh, hey, that's pretty good. And then six years later, I'm like, oh, yeah, there was that. And then the stuff that just is now part of regular rotation. So, so yeah, it, it's the other thing that's interesting to do, and this is how nerdy I am, is to periodically go back and look at your lists and go, okay, which of these am I actually listening to a lot now or still? And to reassess the releases of that year. I have sadly done that. I have a running document of my favorite albums of every year. It's like the top five or whatever uh, that I've been alive. So I will periodically go through and as I'm like scrolling through it, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't listen to that very much anymore. (laughs) I need to change this and I'll, I'll change it. And that's something else that I ended up using a lot this year was the last FM scrollable feature, which is so cool at trying to determine like, okay, how am I going to rank some of these? I just would go through and, and set the calendar from January 1st to whatever that date was and do this search thing and look at the albums. I'm like, okay, what did I actually listen to the most? Yeah. Because, you know, shocking what you like a lot and is probably your favorite is probably something you're going to listen to a lot. I know this is, this is, um, <laughs> it's, it's a, a new thought, but it, if that was one of those that was like, Oh yeah, that makes too much sense. <laughs> D- Dylan and I have talked about that before too, where it's like, what you mean? The record that I've been listening to just for, just for fun is the one I like the most of the year. No, 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 no. It has to be the one that I researched specifically for a project or like forced myself to, you know, go through some sort of like, how do I decide what to listen to? I know I will use this website and then pick a random record and make myself talk, listen to it and then talk about it. And it's just like, or you can just listen to what you want, what you feel like in the moment. Yes, exactly. And there is something to be said for listening to those other things and Knowing like on an intellectual level, okay, I know that this is actually probably a better record, however that is quantified, than what is my personal favorite, but I like my favorite more. And so that's why that is, you know, the album of the year to me, where just pick any big artist or any artist that is whatever, and you can sit back and go, okay, intellectually, I know that the music on here is played better. The vocals are better than my favorite album, but I'll listen to it like once or twice and go, yeah, that's really good, but it's not going to be something I'm going to put on when a certain mood takes me. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just going to go back to what I listen to. And it's, it's often the same stuff creature of habit, which, uh, which <laughs> these five records that we're about to discuss after 45 minutes of us talking, um, <laughs> these are ones that are definitely going to end up in long-term rotation is coming, getting ready for, for doing this. I've been, I went and I've re-listened to these top five records um, a few times and just to re-familiarize myself with them because I wrote this early in December and uh, I've slept since then. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I had a you know anxiety attack somewhere in there between these. So I needed to refamiliarize myself. Um so I guess we should start with uh my number five pick. Let's do it. So All you right. you 
we'll men- we'll put a link to it in the show notes. You actually make a much longer list, which we'll link to in the show notes. But we're starting with number five, just because we were just like, well, let's just pick a certain number to get through. But there's what thirty entries that you've written about. Thirty. At most years, my year-end list ends up being thirty records, and yeah. it's at this point, it's a combination of uh, albums and EPs because it's just easier. Essentially what happened is there was one year that my favorite record of the year was an EP. And I was like, okay, it's not just, here's my EP list. And this is my favorite EP. It's like, no, this is my favorite period. And I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to make one list. It's easier. Yeah. So check out all Dave's other picks. We'll probably talk about a couple of the uh, next down once we get deeper into the list but yeah and, and if if there are any that that you saw on there that you're like why is that so low feel free to if anyone cares feel free to ask me about that sure yeah <laughs> i have to I have to roll scroll through that back yeah. 30 again to see but yeah let's start with your number five though so what are we talking about uh tim the let it bleed edition by the replacements I love that you went with like an old record that just got remastered, (laughs) (laughs) which is something I normally don't do. I normally do not put reissues or anything like that in my year end lists because it I, I don't think it qualifies. It is a reissue is looking back at something from the past. In this case, this is something different because it's not just a reissue. It is completely remixed, and and by that, uh, this guy Ed Stasium, who has produced albums for a slew of people over the years, somehow got his hands on the original master tapes of Tim and went through and recreated the son of a bitch from start. He put the entire thing together, and it sounds – it breathes new life into this record. And Tim is my favorite replacements record before this. And at first, when I put this new version on, I was like, this isn't right. Because it sounded, you know, it sounded different. And I'm not one of those guys that is like, oh, the the production on this ruins it for me. Unless something just sounds like absolute shit. You know, the the things like people will say, well, it's got that 80s production, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, can I hear it? (laughs) <laughs> you know, does it sound okay? Okay, fine. Or the, you know, there's certain 
production elements that will put a record or a song in a very specific time frame. A lot of times that stuff doesn't jump out to me as a super negative or a super positive. It's just part of what it is. So when I first heard this, I was like, I don't know. And then the more I listened to it, especially with earbuds, and I could pick up all of these little things that you couldn't hear before. Because the the thing with the old mix is it was, I think people called it muddy. And it's hard to pick out a lot of the specifics going on. And in this new mix of the album, it is, it's fuller. It is warmer. You can hear all of these different elements. You can hear things that you could not hear before. And after a few listens, I was like, oh, oh yeah, this is better. And this is truly one of the best things that came out this year. And, and well, one, it's my list, so I can do honestly whatever I want with it. But two, it is such a different listening experience, even to the point with one of the songs, uh, Little Mascara, there's an entire like minute of guitar solo that's added to the end of the song that wasn't in the original version. That is uh, Bill Stinson, just uh, Bill, uh, Bob Stinson, uh, just noodling away. And it's it's really cool. And another thing, the song um, Here Comes a Regular, there's piano through that entire song. You couldn't hear that on the original mix. You could only hear it in certain parts. So that's that's something I, I really like. Now, does it still have the two or three stupid songs? Yes. <laughs> they always had a stupid song on every single record because they, I mean, they're misfits and losers and purposefully shooting themselves in the foot. And sometimes they just, I think, enjoyed writing stupid songs. And they're there. And they even sound better. Oh, did you listen to this at any point this year? I know you guys are famously in our circles, not fans of the replacements. Yeah, that's definitely been something that Dylan and I have talked about quite a few times where we're just like, we just, I've tried. I've tried so many times in the past to be like, let's get into it. So many people we know and like respect their opinions and tastes and everything, yourself included, where I was just like, they all love it. Why don't we love it? Like, it's just this weird thing that was, I don't know what it is that keeps them from like penetrating whatever dumb force field that we, our brains have around it. But so I did actually listen to your top five picks specifically so that I could, you know, be familiar with them enough to talk with you about them. So I, I didn't listen to the whole thing cause it's massive, but I put it on and I was like, this isn't what I remember them sounding like. And I like the more I listened to it, I was like, am I one of those people that it was really the production that was keeping me away from it? that you were just talking about because honestly I did like side by side comparisons. Cause the version on Spotify, I think it has both the original mix and the new mix on it or a different, two different kinds of mix, whatever they are. And I was like, this one I like this one. I don't like, I picked the exact same songs and like side by side compared them. And I was like, well, maybe it is, maybe it was a production thing that really prevented me. Like it took me forever to get into who's do Cause their production was terrible on so many of their records. And it was just through sheer blunt, force of will that like i eventually got into husker do but it took a lot of effort and i'm wondering if like it is is the production because i was listening to those remastered versions and i was like these are great these are clear i can hear everything the things that bugged me before are not as strong or is not as prevalent you know just like the warmer mix the the clarity 
you know, removing all that 80s, like, gated reverb that's going on there. Like, I don't know. It it was the kind of thing where I was like, this might be the key that unlocks the replacements for me. Yay. I do think we should do a replacements record on the show one day, but it has to be with someone who loves them because Dylan and I are not the people to, to speak on the replacements <laughs> with any oh. sort of authority, but... Well, we can make that happen. You know... It seems like a pretty good idea. We maybe we, let's talk <laughs> offline about this a little more. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. And if you like the way this sounds, you should also listen to Dead Man's Pop, which is the uh oh fuck, what's the actual? It's one of the other albums, uh, the one that came out after Please to Meet Me. It's their next to last record, and it's one that has Albu and um, uh, Aiken to be on it, and it was also talked about as having this notoriously bad mix well uh slim dim slim dunlap wow that's hard to say he found in his closet the original mix of the record that was done by the guy who produced it and recorded it and it sounds again there's more clarity that's a perfect word to use to to describe the let it bleed edition of tim it's it's just there's it's so much more clear i haven't listen to dead man's pop as much as uh tim but it would be an interesting experiment uh for you to for you to check yeah. out at some point I to try that one out too. see how that one yeah. how that one works too yeah it, 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 you're not the only person i saw have this on a list i don't think i think there were some other people i think estasium transformed it enough that it felt fresh and different to a lot of people including people who are already like huge fans of the record so Yes, I've I've heard that a lot. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we should move on. Uh, yeah. My my number four is the self-titled debut from the Iron Roses. developed out of Nathan Gray's solo work really going back to their 2020 album working title. And then the 2021 album rebel songs was later reissued as Nathan Gray and the iron roses and the iron roses is essentially the band that he, that they put together for touring these albums and it just became a cohesive unit. And so they made a, a full length debut and it's really freaking good. This this band to me, it's there's certain feelings that that's the best way I can explain it, or certain vibes that I get with music where I kind of actually have this category that I throw a lot of artists into. It's like, is a band are you a U two or are you a replacement? 
and the U2 side of things are the things that are more uplifting and um, yeah, uplifting is just the best word for it. Uh, big music feel type of epic things. And, you know, Iron Roses, I think, falls into that category. It also listening to this, it's like, OK, this is the same. I get the same vibes from this that I got from Seven Seconds when I first started listening to them. It's very political. It's very catchy. There's a great mix of genres, and it's yeah, it's just it's just a really good record. I definitely I'm a big fan of Nathan Gray. You know, Boy Sets Fire is one of I think one of the best '90s post-hardcore emo whatever you call that sound that they were occupying at the time. And then in the 2000s and then discovering the casting out, which was Nathan's like punk band that he did after Boy Sets Fire. I was just like, this band's this is amazing. No one's talking about this group. Why is no one talking about them? You know, like so good. And so I've been following like Nathan Gray's like post Boy Sets Fire career from that to like the metalcore band he did with his son and the the solo stuff that he released every time it was like the Nathan Gray collective at one point, like he's, he's had a bunch of different names. And when this record was announced, I saw it was listed as the iron roses. And I was like, the Nathan Gray thing. Like, so I, I was kind of confused by it. And I looked into it more. It's like, is, is the band from that last Nathan Gray record just going without Nathan Gray? And then like, I listened to it and like, Oh no, he's here too. So I thought it was like an interesting choice. For them to be like, now we're just going to call it the Iron Roses because it was like Nathan Gray and the Iron Roses before. So definitely a pivot from what he'd been doing over the last couple of years because it doesn't it. Maybe it's just like the creative process of working together. that They were finally like, no, let's 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 just be the band like this is the band now instead of like these are my songs and you're playing them for me, you know, which is how it kind of feels in the other format. So and very I, interesting. I, yeah, I think that's actually what happened is during the recording of Rebel Songs and then during the touring of it, it was it just became, oh, no, this is a group project. And that's when Nathan just changed. was like, nope, we're the Iron Roses changed like handles on social media, the whole nine yards. And it's uh, that's how they've gone since then. I think if you really do start with the 2020 album working title and listen through these three records, you hear the progression. And it's it's definitely there there was a change at some point with Nathan Gray's solo material that went from at least the stuff just under the name Nathan Gray that went from uh, more folk, like mm-hmm. you know, stuff into a more um, replacements meets Bruce Springsteen kind of angle at, with, you know, hints of early hardcore in there. Um, and so it's just been the, the natural progression, really. It's, I, I don't know what caused that change in those albums. I guess one of the, the things that about doing a solo project is it's probably easier to jump from style to style to style at least that's my understanding why Brian Fallon started uh, doing records under the name Brian Fallon instead of every time it's like, okay, well I've got these songs that sound like this right now and we're going to put them under this band name. Someone was like, just doing the solo records. It'll be easier. So that I think the, the trade off in this case is it went from 
instead of trying to force something into a band, it was solo work that grew into a band. And they seem to be a very tight knit band. It's also fucking huge. There's like <laughs> 10, 15 people or some <laughs> shit in this band. Uh, hopefully someday I'll get to see them play live because I think it would be a heck of a good show. Yeah, it is interesting. It's a, it's a big band and it's, listening to it like you see the amount of people on the record and you're just like oh what is this going to be some like weird like folk band with like a billion like oh we have three banjo players and a tuba and like the arcade fire like hurdy-gurdy type thing you know on this (laughs) on the stage too gross no thank god no (laughs) it's not it's like it's mainly like an anthemic kind of heartlandy punk band that like taps into a couple other genres like it's guitar and bass and that's pretty much it. Just yeah, yeah based exactly. Vocals, you know, there's elements of they actually dip their toes into hip hop a little bit. Yeah, uh, there is uh, definitely elements of ska. There, I can't remember her name, but the other main vocalist, uh, her voice is fantastic. And Becky Fontaine had that just you. pulled open right here. Yeah, and it it goes so well with Nathan's voice. So, uh, so yeah, uh, so. My next record, uh, number three, is Drive It Like It's Stolen by Dave Haas. this year that was a new release that i really got into and listened to a lot and this was one of those records that when i was putting everything together and i went back and i i looked at stats i was like oh yeah of new albums i've listened to this one more than anything else this year (laughs) so whereas my number one two and one records came out much later in the year it's still and it was had those two other albums not come out, this Dave Haas record probably would have been number one. It's so this is what his like fifth solo album, I think math. Anyway, the last one was far more rootsy and Americana and folky than um, the previous two albums. The starting with, the uh, 2017's Bury Me in Philly and 2019's Kick, there was a a Brian Adams restless era energy to those records, and they were high energy records, and that's the the stuff of his that I like the most. And it it almost harkens back to the Loved Ones, but honestly, I think those two records are better than any of the Loved Ones records, and I really like those Loved Ones records. But then Blood Harmony comes out. 
And this is on uh, Haas's own label. He and his brother put together their own label and they've got distribution through somebody. And it was, it's a very slow album and drive it like it's stolen is a nice, happy medium between the more upbeat stuff and the slower stuff, because there are definitely songs on here that are big anthems or have big anthem moments. And there's also a lot of stuff that is slower and, and ballads, but it's all of it's good. And he's, he has become one of my favorite artists in the last, well, since I first started hearing his stuff was in 2010, 2011. And if I ever do the, who have I listened to the most of all time on last FM, which granted only goes back to like 2017 or 16 or whenever I started doing the scrabble thing. Uh, he's up there as like in the top five of artists that I listen to in totality. So it's, uh, it's, this is also a record that definitely got better with each listen. And that's something all five of these albums have grown on me every single time I've listened to them. So I've gotten a deeper connection with all of them. And that's something I appreciate when you can listen to something over and over and your connection to it becomes stronger. Uh, That to me is a sign of something that is one really good, but two, and maybe more importantly, is really good for you. If that makes sense. Yeah. Cause there's definitely albums that I've listened to where like, if you listen to them, I don't know if this is a sensation that other people experience, but I know Dylan and I have talked about it where it's like, you just get tired of it. Like you've listened to it so much that you're just, it, you kind of wear it out. I don't know if you have ever had that happen with records. Oh yeah. And it's, it's a weird thing. Cause you're like, what? I liked it, but what is it about this that like now I, the thought of listening to it is just like, eh, ugh, I don't want to listen to that. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it means, I don't know. Maybe you just got tired. I don't know. I don't know how to describe that feeling. Cause like, it's like it's soured on you or it, or it, Maybe, maybe it's just like too much sugar. You know, you eat too much candy and then you're like, you want some more candy? And you're like, no, I don't. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe there's yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. You feel gross after a while. Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I think that's an interesting phenomenon, because with the way that music works now, you almost have to do that to yourself. Back in the day when, you know, the driving force behind music was MTV and the radio you would get sick of something because every time you turned on either one of them, it's like, Oh my God, it's that fucking smash mouth (laughs) video again. Jesus Christ, what is happening? And even if it's something you liked at first, you hear it so many times and it's not times that you chose to listen to it. Mm -hmm. It's just, it comes on and you're after a while, you're like, motherfucker, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) And sometimes years can go by and you can give something another shot and then you hear it with all new ears because you've had different life experiences, so on and so forth, and something will have new life to it. That doesn't always happen. Sometimes you over listen to something and you're like, if I ever hear that again, it's going to be too soon. And I don't want to ever hear that again. So, um, yeah, that, that is a hundred percent something that I experienced as like a teenager. Cause like, I grew up listening to alternative radio as like a you know young kid. Like I started really paying attention to like music when I was like in the third grade. Like as far as like who is playing songs and like that kind of stuff. Like really paying attention to what's coming on the radio. And I was listening to the radio like nonstop before that too. It's very weird. I don't know if kids kids these days don't know about the radio because uh, it's, like, <laughs> it's not it's not really the same as it was back then. Because you really were like, what do I have to listen to? 
well, my radio and the handful of like cassettes or CDs you owned. And then you're like, all right, uh, I have no monies. I don't, I can't buy more. So I guess I'm going to listen to the radio because it's probably going to give you something new. But like listening to like alternative rock radio for an extended like period of your life. If you turn on alternative rock radio now, they're still playing the same bands. Like, so like you're still hearing Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, like all that kind of stuff. And when I was in my teens, I was just like, I'm so sick of all of these bands. I hate all these bands now because they've been played to death. But then, like, after not listening to the radio regularly for 15 years, hearing those songs now, I'm like, it's a good song. No wonder it was played nonstop. It was a good song. It's just I'd heard it too much. Yes. And, And there's something there's something about either deciding yourself to listen to it or that case where. You're no longer listening to the radio or when MTV was playing videos and you walk into, I don't know, a CVS and (laughs) and you hear something that's playing and you're like, oh, man, I haven't heard this in years. And then you hear it with new ears. And that is that's the the case where you hear something out in the wild and it reminds you, I was like, oh, yeah, this was really good. Oh, man, I love Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something. <laughs> <laughs> that is always uh, my like reference point to like a song that you hear like in the grocery store. You're like, huh? Oh, OK. I guess yeah. we're going to listen to uh, <laughs> some Counting Crows. All right. <laughs> so IndieCast has done has talked about this a few times. It's a bit of a running bit on, on that show. Uh, <laughs> not not as much a sports cast, but still. Uh, <laughs> Uh, did you so what did you think of drive it like it's stolen so we've talked i think in the past about my fe- i don't know my feelings on dave house but more just like i've never really connected with any of his music there's there's like a whole subgenre of punk it's the like the punk rock troubadour thing that was started with like chuck reagan and the revival tour stuff like taking off and you know your tim berries and your Later on down the line, your your Frank Turner's like there's these just like this whole genre now of like I was in punk bands. Now I strum a guitar by myself, you know, that I've never personally really connected with. And I don't know. I probably blame that on my not paying attention to lyrics part of my brain where I'm just like, where's the rocking at? I just I don't want to listen to introspective, thoughtful lyrics. I want to I want to have fun. so a lot of times the 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 singer songwriter you know artist doesn't hit me the way it hits other people and like you because i know you love a lot of those artists and so i always feel bad like i'm like i'm missing something because then these these artists are all very well regarded and like they have dedicated you know fan bases and followings and i'm always just like i like that one acoustic chuck reagan record all right like that's kind of (laughs) how i come away from it I can see that. Yeah. If you're not a lyrics person and all you're really the majority of what you've got is some person's voice and a guitar. And if it's if the music's not hitting for you, then you're kind of screwed. You know, yeah. it's it's not going to work. <laughs> uh, that having been said, if you've ever seen Tim Barry live, it's him and his acoustic guitar. And that is an experience, man. Holy crap. <laughs> that. There, oh my God! Because when I saw him, it it was so good. There's there's like one particular song. He just walked out into the middle of the crowd, and 
and basically a circle formed around him and he he sang from there and everyone was singing along with him and it was so cool oh my god it was so good but yeah i can totally see how that kind of stuff wouldn't hit for you so with like dave haas especially with the the more recent records he he has put together a touring band now, it's not as solid a unit as the iron roses as we were just discussing earlier but it is a a band that he's put together and so when when he tours with them it's billed as dave haas and the uh and the mermaid is what they're called hmm. kind of like when frank turner tours it's frank turner and the sleeping souls unless it's literally a show where he's just with an acoustic guitar uh, so it does there is full bands to those two artists records. And that is something I, I do really like. And if yeah, for whatever reason it, it, his music has really connected with me. And I discovered Dave Haas through a video of, of a revival tour performance in like Germany. And it was one of the last years that tour happened. And it was uh, Dave Haas, uh, Dan Adriano, um, Brian Fallon, and Chuck Reagan, and yeah. that it turned me into a lifelong Dave Haas fan. The, and the whole thing was great. So, yeah. All right. So that brings us to uh, number two. Oh God, that sounded kind of douchey. Um, my number two record. <laughs> <laughs> Now's another song for <laughs> what's the Casey case like? Casey Case, I'm counting them down, man. <laughs> I have to admit. <laughs> I love it in in the show Hit Parade when he gets clips from those weeks. A very special number three. <laughs> no, it's well, I mean, the, or then you get Delilah, you know. Oh yeah, Delilah. Uh, Ooh, she was on forever here. Love someone tonight. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so something that is kind of weird with my top two picks. The last time these two artists released new records was in 2021 and that year they were my number one and number two picks and this year their new records are my number one and number two picks <laughs> in the same spots uh so yeah that's obviously i have a have a type or things <laughs> that i like uh so uh number two is a uh, quarter life crisis by baby queen I thought that I was pretty so that I could turn you on I had a dream you called me pretty and I told you you were wrong And that I look for parts of you and every person that I meet Because my brain is dissipated and you're where it used to be And it's so typical of me to get so easily obsessed But in my head we're in my bedroom and you're getting undressed I want to take you to a rock show and kiss you in a bathroom stall I want to tell you that you're mine and put you up against a wall Like a painting or a poster of a teenage crush I play it out inside my head as if you're with me on the bus And we're talking and her music is indie pop which doesn't mean much yeah. but i also don't know really how to 
describe what's going on other than it is catchy, it's poppy, it's anthemic, but it's also this fluid mix of genres. There's hip hop elements, there's rock elements, there's pop, there's, you know, indie stuff that I never heard. And it's just this mix of things. And the, so this is the stage name for uh, this lady named uh, Arabella. Okay. Sorry. I'm so bad with names. So (laughs) it's a, it's a kayfabe name, but she has this incredible voice and she can belt out. But then she'll have these things. It's like most of the song, she's going all Lou Reed. And then she belts out this chorus. And you're like, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> um, but the the other thing, thematically, this record and her music in general hits so many of the same things that the number one artist on my list. It's they, yeah, thematically and... Um, spiritually like hit the same stuff there's the difference with with this is a lot of the stuff baby queen writes is there are these very personal songs but there is so much social commentary throughout them that it's kind of staggering how she can mix all this stuff together in these super catchy really big anthemic pop songs that you know you could hear uh, played right after Olivia Rodrigo or something, which mm-hmm. she actually opened for Olivia Rodrigo when uh, she toured in Europe. Because uh, she lives like, Baby Queen lives in London. She's originally from South Africa. Uh, and uh, now I remember in 2021 when we got to this and you're like, I have no idea who this is. Um, <laughs> did you, what did you think of this record when you listened to it? So this was one where I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot about Baby Queen. Like she, she was one that you put on my radar the last time. How many years have we done this now with you? Is this three or four? Well, um, we started talking in early 2020 uh, because we, uh, it was I heard your best of decade episodes, right? And that's when I reached out to you guys. So yeah. probably starting from from then on. So that so, would be. We would have done it at the end. Of, yeah. So at least three years. Yeah. Maybe maybe you weren't on the first year of that. But yeah, yeah at least three, potentially four. Anyway, regardless, I guess it doesn't really matter that much. But I remember when you when you brought it up to me to talk about, I was like left field. No idea. I'd never heard the name. Like it was one of those ones where I was just like, who is this? And I didn't keep tabs on her since then. And so when I saw it again on your list, I was like, oh, she's back again. Like, it was just like a nice little like, oh, look, there she is. I, I didn't I had wasn't following her to like know that she had another record coming out. So I listened to it and I'm like, it's it's really good. I would say indie pop is probably the perfect description for what it is. And it's always funny because it's like I think a lot of us music people, <laughs> people who talk about music on the Internet, <laughs> that's really it's a whole type of person. I think if you if you listen to like indie or punk or hardcore and all that kind of all those other like more alt subgenres, we all of us have our own little baby queens, though. Like we all have our own little like, oh, yeah, I also really like this one synthy, really poppy project over here. For me personally, I really love the band Pony, who released a record this year. And it's in that same kind of like sphere of just like it's like indie music 
but it's pop music and a couple oh, other things. Yeah, I can see that. Um, uh, I think Career Woman um, also falls into that uh, sphere a bit. Um, yeah. Okay. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. So it, it was just. It's funny how we all kind of have our own little like, and that's my weird little synth thing I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it 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 is because it's it's so very different from pretty much everything else on this entire list, uh, except the Olivia Rodrigo record, which is on the list. Uh, way it's like number thirty. Um, but when you listen to some of the just basic structures of the songs and thematically it fits right in with all the other crap that I like. Uh, so I like a lot of times I just like songs that sound and feel big. That's uh, like y- y'all introduced me to that, that phrase, big music for that kind of sub genre sort of thing from the eighties. And at some point this year, I w- I did like a deep dive into that stuff I was like, man, I really like a lot of this stuff. Some <laughs> of it, some of it, I think is fucking horrible. The, oh, yeah. the song by the water boys called big music that the whole thing gets its name from that song stinks. Uh, <laughs> could not get into that. Uh, so not a water boys fan, but yeah, I I'm really excited to see what else baby queen does. And this is a record that I listened to this last night as I was, getting ready for bed. Uh, so the last album that I listened to, uh, for last year was quarter life crisis. Uh, I did in the middle of that. Remember, Oh yeah, it's new year's Eve. Every new year's Eve. I like to listen to the song next year by benchmarks. And so I had to put that into the queue like three times. So, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's my number two. Let's before we get to your number one, let's talk about a couple of, the other records in your top 30 that uh, should, I feel like deserve getting called out a little bit, just a little, you know, a little extra attention to, um, let's see. I'm looking at the list now to see where I want to start. Uh, that fake names record. I really enjoyed expendables. That was the, yes. the super group featuring, uh, Dennis Lickson of, uh, refused on vocals as well as like a bunch of DC, Legends, I think, but Brian Baker's in there too. Yes, uh, yeah, it's it's so it, Brian Baker and then guys who were in like uh, Girls Against Boys and mm-hmm. I think Embrace or some of those other early you know bands from the DC scene, very incestuous little scene for lack of a better term. Um, a lot of those early scenes were like that, but I digress. Uh, but yeah, that that album is is really really good. It it did not grab me like the self-titled album and self-titled EP did, but I still really, really liked it. I, th- I think some of it, I think this might be a case of I have an issue with the sequencing for whatever reason, the first song, like, okay, that song, that should not be the first song. The first song should be the title track or one of the other, just, you know, bangers for lack of a better term. And the first song wasn't, so it it always makes it a little harder for me to get past that. Um, we're recording this before the episode goes up, so you haven't had a chance to see our list yet. But you did include Lucero's new album for 2023. And uh, Dylan and I actually made this our official number one of 
Punk Lotto Pod. So naturally, I wanted to uh, you know shout that out as well because yeah. I think this record's so good. Yeah, that tracks. I I had a feeling that was going to be at the top of at least one of your lists. It, it's what I love about uh, this record is that it is it's finally them rocking again. Yeah. After some albums of just super sad sack ballads that were so dark. It's just like, man, I don't want to commit suicide today, so I'm not going to put this record on. <laughs> and then the one before that, Women in Work, which I like, but it also doesn't really rock, you know? <laughs> uh, so uh, this one does have, you know, the boots are being kicked a bit. And yeah. I like that. So it reminds you that, oh, yeah, these guys can rock when they want to. And that's that's my favorite Lucero is is the rock and Lucero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely one of my favorite lanes that they occupy is the rock side of things, because you're right. They haven't really done it in in a, in a while. It's been a lot more like we're trying out something with this record, you know, like this one feels like a Civil War album. And then this one feels like a Warren Zevon record, you know, like that kind of stuff. So, oh, yeah, I mean, I, I applaud them for doing it. It's just not everything connects. I think even maybe it's the self-titled record. The, the first two records are really not rocking. Yeah. And, and those of their back catalog, those are probably my least favorite. Um, I really, I'm a, I'm a rebels, rogues and sworn brothers. That's my favorite album of theirs. It's so obviously I, I like the more upbeat stuff where it comes to these guys. Yeah. Uh, and a band that I really enjoyed their EP, the Carolyn EP, Harmful History. This yeah, that, that's so good. They're they're a band that like I, I don't even know how they got on my radar. At some point, I was just like maybe I was seeing their name on like Instagram or something, and I checked them out. I don't I can't explain where I found this band. They're they're what an Atlanta band, I believe, and they're just like this power poppy emo e alternative rockish sort of group like there's a little bit of Jimmy World there's a little bit of Get Up Kids in there like there's just a lot of different stuff really in their sound and I I really like this band a lot they had an LP I think last year is when they put that out and yeah I I've just been like everything this band has put out in the last couple of years I'm like Man, these guys are so good they're the kind of band where I'm like they should be huge like they have the the kind of sound that can be really big and like really talked about, you know, by by bigger outlets and presses. So, yeah, this band rules. I really like them a lot. Yeah, th- they're one of those bands that end up falling in the category for me of every time I listen to them, I'm like, damn, why don't I listen to this band more often? It, because, yeah, it's it, it is really, really good. This EP is just awesome and in a different year when my listening habits were different it probably would have been a lot higher on my list but and uh, in, in all honesty with this list the top 10 really are kind of in a specific order and everything else i just kind of flew by the seat of my pants and there's time there are things that i put in strategic places and then there's other stuff, especially I'll be listening to. I'm like, no, I really like this better than this. And I'll just I'll move it around a bit. Uh, but not that anyone cares. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of a little little secret, I guess, amongst list making types that 
it doesn't really matter what order most of them are in, you know, because it's just like only, you know, what you chose and why you chose to put it where it is. And and you're right. Like a lot of time it is very much just like, hmm, I don't want to talk about two of these kind of albums back to back. So I'm going to space them out a little bit more, you know, like, <laughs> especially when writing and, and talking about it. Exactly. Especially if they're not of the records that you're like, OK, this is right. absolutely a favorite. Because that's a lot of times for me. I will have years every year. There will be records that are like, OK, these are things I love and things I'm going to listen to forever. And then everything else is stuff that I thought was really good. But for and I'll, I'll maybe go back to from time to time, but don't always. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely things I've had on old lists that I went back and looked at and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I completely forgot that even existed. Yet I was like number 25 on this year's list you know (laughs) exactly and sometimes that is that can be fun to go back to your old lists and look Mm -hmm. at those lower number things and and go like okay what was this all about (laughs) or you'd be like why isn't that way higher i listen to that all the time now oh yeah that that's where my running document comes into play yeah there are uh dave haas's first record moved went from you know being like in the teens or some shit and it's like my second favorite record of that year now so yeah time time will do that well unless you have any burning desire to talk about anything else on your list uh we can do your number one no let's uh so number one is cheap grills by sincere engineer third album third time their album has been at the top of my list and their first album was the top of my 2010s list uh needless to say i love this band and it it doesn't hurt that deanna the lead singer and the main force behind the band is just such a cool person and she's an absolute sweetheart and you just want her to succeed or at least i do and but then on top of that she writes this music that 
is so freaking good and the band is so tight and the thing that really hits me with them is when you listen to their stuff there's just something slightly odds not the right way to put it but different about the way the instruments are played like the rhythms that the drum uses the the way chords are played or put in together i i don't actually know how any of that crap works <laughs> but there's something where it's like where you're like okay this is definitely a a punk band that also like that also has some indie rock influences and emo influences but then on the other hand there is no one else out there that sounds like this i think the closest band that really got sounded like sincere engineer was a retirement party they had a very similar sound but even then it wasn't it wasn't super close so that's something that i really appreciate with sincere engineer aside from the fact that i listen to these lyrics i'm like how is she writing songs about my life and about what i'm going through and she's like you know in her mid-20s and i'm almost 50 how, how is this <laughs> happening i don't understand I think I was listening. I was listening to a podcast this week that was going through their like picks and albums of the year, and I can't remember which one it was. But the the host said the exact same things. Like, how do these lyrics pertain to my life so much? Like, why does why do I feel like she's writing about me, even that you know, or what I'm going through? So that's maybe it's a is it is it just like a universality of just like the type of topics that she's hitting on we all experience i think so i i think there's there's some of that and there's she's she has this knack for taking specificity and making it universal Mm -hmm. because you can definitely tell a lot of these songs are based on experiences she's had or stuff she's seen or gone through and yet she does it in a way that it's something we've all gone through and I mean, that being said, growing up in the United States of America, for the most part, there's a lot of similar crap you're going to go through if you're, you know, white and in suburbia and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, it, I I think that's a lot of it is is somehow she has this ability of crafting these songs that are so specific that they become universal. I think, too, like I think being really specific in a song too like helps form like a mental image or just like you can imagine exactly what it is and what it looks like and what it feels like in a way that by being so specific you can relate to it even more so even if it's not necessarily something you've done or exactly so yes i agree the 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 only times that that i think does not work is if you are doing super political music and you're railing against something specific like the entire dead Kennedy's catalog for the most part. <laughs> there are, I mean, there are a few songs that still, you know, are, are not specific so much that they don't, you know, hit today. But a lot of that stuff you're listening to, you're like, who? Um, yeah. There's definitely what? like hyper specific cultural, like socio political things that the Ed Kennedy's would sing about that. Like in 2023, you're just like, what is he talking about? What what was that? Like you have to go get an encyclopedia. Go get an encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, look it up on Wikipedia. Be like, what happened in Guyana? I don't, I don't understand what's going on. Yes, exactly. Uh, and uh, now, now this is a record you also really liked this year. Correct? Yes. Yeah. So when you sent your list and we talked about like actually getting together and recording, I was like, I'm so glad you made that this record your number one because I desperately wanted to talk about it, but. I, it didn't make my top 10. Like it was like, I think it's like number 11 or number 12 on my list. Like it's so close to getting on there. And the, the reason why part of the deciding factor and being like, okay, I could put it in the top 10 or I could wait and just talk about it with Dave. So this is an example <laughs> of the, uh, no one knows what your list, why you made your list the way you did, uh, except you, except now I've told everyone. So now I'm just like, All right, I'll just save and talk about Dave. You talk with it about Dave. So, <laughs> I was, that's, that's, I was like, I want to showcase an extra record that I'm not going to talk about with someone else just to, you know, have another record to talk about, you know, too. So, no, that, that's, that's a, that's a very good uh, policy for lack of a better term to have. Trying, trying to avoid redundancy. Like, I don't necessarily want to hit on the same album, like on three different pieces of audio in a row, you know? Very, yes, very, very true. <laughs> so, I don't know, like, if I was to try to rank, these three albums i don't know if i if i could like pick one that i think is is the best um because they're all three so freaking good it's really hard it's for as the way this band came together and the fact that they really didn't know each other before they came together in the studio to record rombithian and they have turned one into all they're all really good friends but they're so goddamn tight. Yeah. Oh my, And when I saw them live, I was like, oh, my God, they are so good together. It just it was the perfect mix of musical abilities and personalities, I think. And it just it brings something so unique, really, to these records that I I just adore. Yeah, and it's funny because they are they're they formed as a studio project because the record was originally going to be an acoustic record. But then what the producer was like, no, 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 we're doing a full band like the producer made or do a full band. Yeah, it, it was uh, um, the guy from Lawrence Arms who's not um, uh, a Brandon. Um, was it was it Chris or was it? Yeah, Neil? Sun, uh, no, Sundowner guy. OK, Chris, Chris. Yeah. yeah. So essentially he was like when he was i think i'm pretty sure he produced that first record and yeah. so he helped put her band together and he was saying to her he was like look what would you rather listen to sundowner or the lawrence arms and she's <laughs> like the lawrence arms it's like exactly here's your band <laughs> <laughs> i also like that he he knows too like sundowner is great i do really enjoy sundowner but even the guy in Sundowner is like, you know, you want to listen to Lawrence Arms more than you want to listen to my solo acoustic record. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, hey, at least he's uh, self-aware enough. And I think, too, he had the imagination of being like, this could sound amazing with a full band. And not that this a solo acoustic record wouldn't have been great, but I also don't think it would have like taken off nearly as quickly as it did, because that record did become this. I think it took about a year for it to really take off and like get the attention that it deserves. Um, but yeah, yeah. Acoustically, it may have, may have just taken a little bit longer or one of those things where like the second record would have been the one that really takes off. But yeah. And, and I do think it helped that 
moving up to Hopeless Records, which has a bigger reach than mm-hmm. Red Scare Industries. So I think that was a big help because there was definitely a noticeable difference in the amount of um, promos and um, press that was done for Bless My Psyche and Cheap Girls than there was for Rombithian, which, I mean, just makes total sense that Hopeless has a lot more money. So they're able to do that stuff. And it it's funny because it seemed like it wasn't very long after the last, the second record came out that we started to like hear songs from this album. Like, I feel like some of these songs were out like a year before the actual album came out. Like, I definitely remember thinking like already new music and then being like, she's just teasing new music for a really long time and playing like little clips. So maybe there was a more of a, a, a plan of attack for like how they were going to promote and release the songs from this thing. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think she is constantly writing music or either that or has just one hell of a, of a, a backlog of stuff because it's I mean, these records, it's been boom, boom, boom. One. I mean, it's just one hits a couple years later, the next one, a couple years later, the next one. And in the meantime, like you said, she's you know dropping stuff on Instagram stories or whatever. And then even like the song from this album, uh, Library of Broken Build, uh, Bindings, yeah. was released as a single in uh, 2022. It's yeah. a very different sounding song. Yeah. Uh, uh, which I think is very cool. I was like, that's I, I like that. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my list. It's a great list. And if you want to see all 30 of Dave's picks, go to Oklahoma Lefty dot blogspot dot com. Yes, yeah, I'm pretty sure OklahomaLefty.com works as well. Okay. Uh, Steve has been gracious for many years to purchase that for me. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, um, but yeah, it's it's funny. I literally the only thing I wrote for this site in 2023 was a send of year list. <laughs> so when you're going through, it's like the best of 2023, best of 2022, <laughs> nothing in between. <laughs> yeah, that's um. I think that's how a lot of the blog spots have gone over the over the last couple of years. Everybody pivoted to like your your Substacks or Medium.com, like those kind of things. But yeah, exactly. Well, everyone, go check out the blog and then go check out One Band Five Songs, a uh, very fun podcast that you had me on earlier this year to talk about Teenage Fan Club. I keep saying this year, last year. It's 2024 now, um, and I, I'm I was so grateful to get to come on and talk about. Seriously, one of my all-time favorite bands. So, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. That was, and uh, we're actually creeping up on the hundredth episode. Oh, uh, you got any plans? I mean, you don't have to spoil them, but yes, uh, it's one of my all-time favorite artists, and uh, there will definitely be more than five songs. <laughs> Breaking the rule, just like episode one. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's my show. Damn it, I can do what I want. Absolutely. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I have no idea if I'm going to record with anyone else. And if not, this is definitely a podcast worth of conversation. So <laughs> thank you for joining me and talking with about music. Anytime. Always a pleasure. I, I love coming on the show. You guys are great to talk to and it's always fun. And we will have you back on the show in 2024. Absolutely. So maybe we'll get that replacements talk in. Yes. <laughs> Thank you.
To order Punk, call the number on your screen. Rush delivery is available. Remember, this special offer is not sold in stores.